Before we get into the episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the lands on which this podcast was recorded, the lands of the people of the Yugambe language region and Darawal country. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal. Welcome to the Afterbirth Podcast. I'm Jazz. And I'm Liv, and we're your hosts. The Afterbirth Podcast was created to be a space for you to share your postpartum story in your own words and listen to others share their experiences. In this show, we'll be talking bleeding, feeding, late night Google reading, and so much more. Each episode, we'll delve into all of the weird and wonderful parts of the postpartum experience with real parents and experts. We hope these stories help you to feel empowered, educated and prepared on your own postpartum journey or just help you to feel more connected to others whose stories might resonate with your own. Now let's get into today's show. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Afterbirth Podcast. Hi Jazz, how are you going? Good, good. Hello. I'm so excited for another episode and a new week. (laughs) Me too. I am also excited for this week to be over because we have both been sick this week. How's the timing? Yeah, incredible. I actually have the vid, so (laughs) I know. I probably have it. I actually haven't tested, but um, I'm just living in denial. I know. I did for a while and then I was like, I should probably test. So, um, the little one doesn't get it, but she's been fine. My partner's been fine. It's just me. So oh, I would say good, but it's not good that you're sick. Um, no. I messaged Jazz earlier in the week and I said, can you catch COVID over Zoom? Because <laughs> somehow Jazz has been sick since the beginning of the week and I have just gotten sick um, sort of last night this morning. So yeah, it's not a vibe. And another thing that's not a vibe is parenting when you're sick, mm. and especially when your kids aren't sick. Yeah. They're just still go, go, go. And all you want to do is rest. Yeah. No such thing as rest. I think I've spent all week cooking. Like I was like, okay, nutritious meals. I've got to make myself feel good. But then I've spent all this time cooking and making sure that everyone else was fed with nutrient dense food. So they didn't get sick that I ended up getting more sick. So Oh, good on you. You're a very good mama. And you posted a recipe on our stories for a lovely bone broth from which postpartum book was it? The First 40 Days. Beautiful book. Yes. And I think we mentioned that book in our very first episode with Kate Bloom. Mm-hmm. Yes, so definitely. Good to refer back to that. Yes, definitely. I'm glad that I can use it, um, you know, with immediate postpartum and then throughout forever. So yeah, for sure. All right. So this week's episode, we talk to beautiful Lani. So she is a Gold Coast mum of three boys. And I'm really looking forward to releasing this one. Yeah, me too. It was really good to get a perspective from three different postpartum journeys. They were all very different for Lani. And you know, I found the way that she spoke was so beautiful and it was just a really wonderful um, conversation to have. Absolutely. And I mentioned in the first little bit of the episode that I'm really interested um, or I was really interested to talk to her um, because really funny, off um, recording, we spoke about this, that our first or our last three guests that we've had have all been nurses and much like myself but I haven't known any of them through work or I haven't known any of them at all so it's um it was funny but um the career side of things that Lani speaks about I think is something that a lot of people will relate to because I know myself um during my maternity leaves I sort of start questioning what path I want to go down as far as returning to work and what I want that to look like and Lani has done something that I think a lot of people would love to to do to just take the jump and do and she's sort of gone off on her own and yeah I think that's really inspiring. Yeah definitely and I think I touched base on that as well in this episode where 
I love that she's taken her experience and used that to help people, which is something that obviously you and I are very passionate about. And a lot of the women we speak to are also passionate about that. And I love that that's what she's doing um, with her new business, which we'll talk about in the episode. And we'll also leave info about that in the show notes below as well to our listeners. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into the episode? Definitely. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Afterbirth Podcast. Today, we are chatting with Lani. Lani, thank you so much for joining us today. Did you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your family and your postpartum journey? Yeah, so my name is Lani. I am 29. I live at Palm Beach on the Gold Coast and I've got three beautiful little boys. I've got Coda, he's four. Ari, he is almost two. And Lenny, who's about 10 weeks now. So I'm definitely busy definitely have my hands full um I recently well I guess on my maternity leave with my second son I was like I grew up being a nurse and I wasn't really sure about going back um you know after COVID it got quite hectic and I became real passionate about looking after my own mental health which then led me wanting to look after others mental health so I kind of pivoted And I've gone back studying and I've created a business called The Intentional Weekend, which originally focused on mental health for everyone, but I've kind of streamlined into just mainly mums. And yeah, I've gone back studying to progress there. And yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes, but that's kind of me covered. Nice one. I am really, yeah, I'm looking forward to exploring the career change with you because I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to especially when you are on maternity leave you start sort of questioning what you want to do with your life and there's a big shift in in that for a lot of people so yeah I'm looking forward to to talking to you a bit more about that but can we maybe start with you talking us through your postpartum journeys with all three of your boys yeah for sure so I think that is kind of the core of everything with my business because postpartum hit me like a ton of bricks I feel like there's a lot of information and support and recognition out there for being pregnant and the birth but it's kind of after that I feel like it all falls away and you don't expect everything that happens within yourself and then even further than that like you know your relationship with your partner your friendships your career like everything about your life as it was changes and I feel like yeah you get so nurtured throughout pregnancy and birth and yeah postpartum is where it gets tough so for me with Koda he was my first and I remember you know I went into my last appointment with my midwife and she was like, you know, out of 10, how nervous are you about birth? And I literally said zero. And I look back at that now and I laugh, but I had quite a traumatic birth with him, which led me to having severe postnatal depression. And I only recently kind of opened up, like it took me 10 months to actually feel like I loved him. Not that I not that I didn't, but it's like, because of what happened, I put up this barrier and, you know, I kind of fell into this hole and yeah, I just, I completely lost myself. I, yeah, I I couldn't function. I pretty much barely left our bedroom. Um, And that's kind of, yeah, what started the trajectory of this business and the kind of direction I wanted to go, because for me, I was, I felt so stuck and I was trying to Google and I was trying to find something out there that I needed to have support. And yeah, I unfortunately got to the stage where I needed to be medicated and had to go down a real clinical pathway and, you know, um, go see psychologists. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's great. But I want some, you know, I kind of wanted to create this business. That's like a little like speed hump, I guess, into getting there. That's something like, Hey, like, or even before that, even a prevention to hitting that speed bump, just like, a stop sign being like, hey, or like a warning sign, like, hey, this might be up ahead. Um, we're here for this. Like, here's some things you can do as as a preventative. And yeah, so that's that's where that's all come about. So yeah, my postpartum with him was quite tough. And then 
I convinced myself I was not having another child. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going through that again. Anyway, then we had Ari, our middle one, and I decided I elected to do a maternal assisted C-section. And that mm-hmm. for me was such a healing, healing event. Like when you are ready, I would love to hear more <laughs> about the maternal assisted C-section. I yeah, I find that so fascinating. And I think it's something that a lot of people would love to hear about. I was saying to Jazz before, when we were talking before you came on, that it's something I've heard a lot about happening in Victorian hospitals, but not really so much in Queensland. So yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I, um, what I, I switched, so I went public with my first and the, the hardest thing I found was the disjoint in care like I had a different person each time and yeah I had some unfortunate things happen there that kind of scared me from going back but I switched to private so I was just with the one person and I got the continuity of care and I got to keep seeing her anyway I I chatted to to my obstetrician Catherine Mills about everything that had happened and she actually suggested the maternal assistant I'd never heard of it and she um, had suggested that to me and I was like oh my god yes like let's absolutely let's do that and I'm so glad I chose so yeah pretty much I got to go into the theater and they scrubbed me up as well so I had my gloves and gown on already and um yeah and then she told me like she cued me in and I got to just look down and so she pretty much gets their head out and then I just reached under his arms and pulled him out and placed him straight onto my chest so Yeah, that was really cool because I feel like there's such a big stigma around C-sections and, you know, I, I, I tend to steer away from using the word natural, like, like from the experience I've had, like, yeah, calling a vaginal birth and natural birth kind of makes it seem when you can't do it that way. It's like, you're not natural. You're not like, you know, it, it, it held a lot of failure for me. So, but being able to still like, the maternal assisted C-section and pull him straight onto me actually felt more natural than my vaginal birth that I did have with my first. So yeah, I, that was super cool, super cool to experience, super cool to tell people about. And yeah, I, I actually wasn't aware that, you know, people didn't know about it. And you, yeah, so you can ask your obstetrician, um, you can ask for that and some opt for it, some don't. So yeah, it's kind of just a conversation you can have early on about, if you would prefer to do that. Yeah. Otherwise I'm sure, yeah, you could specifically find an obstetrician who, who allows that. Yeah. So cool. And you actually raised a very uh, valid point. I think I can really relate to my first vaginal birth. There was absolutely nothing natural about that experience. (laughs) So far. And I, like, I hate, um, I hate the term natural birth and I always, for me, it's kind of a, this probably sounds a little bit harsh for me. It's like, if you can't say I had a vaginal birth, like what, what's wrong with. No, nothing. Yeah. I actually was filling out my forms for my third. So my third, I had a, um, my third, I had a maternal assisted C-section as well, which was incredible. But um, yeah, I was filling out the hospital forms. And as I, like, I had to select that I was having a cesarean and the other option wasn't even natural. It said normal birth, like that even worse than natural. It said normal. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So now I'm not normal because I'm having a C-section. Yeah. It was. Our faces would come over on, um, on the podcast because both mine and Jazz's faces were uh, a look of disgust then that is so strange it's so behind it's so behind but you know I guess that's why your podcast is here and businesses like mine are coming up because yeah this you know we're kind of taking a rise and a stand for our own experiences and trying to prevent you know other mums feeling ways that we've felt but yeah after like having Ari that way I think healed me a lot and I had such a beautiful healing postpartum experience with him I was more confident I kind of expected some of the things I didn't expect with the first and um, you know I just was pleasantly surprised with the recovery from a c-section versus the recovery from my first vaginal birth was actually easier Um, I feel like that a lot of like you know the whole c-section also comes with like 
you know, this expectation that your recovery is going to be horrible. Uh, my recovery was literally like four times easier and better than my vaginal birth. So I think that also helped because it was, you know, it was like very safe and everything was pleasant. My, my husband wasn't even allowed to be in the birth for my first son. It became that emergency, like that situation was such an emergency. He wasn't even allowed in. So then to have something that's in a controlled environment, it was calm. I think me being a nurse also helped. So like the whole theater and needles and all that doesn't, doesn't scare me. So all of that was just such a beautiful, calm experience. And yeah, I had my husband there. So the whole thing for Ari was very, he's my little healer. And I really enjoyed my postpartum experience with him. And then, um, yeah, with Lenny, our little third, he kind of threw a spanner in the works. So yeah, Ari kind of lured me into this false sense of security that <laughs> that postpartum is this like amazing experience. Um, but yeah, Lenny was born maternal assisted C-section as well, but he unfortunately had some heart and lung issues. So pretty quick after I had him, he, I was allowed to pull him onto me again, but this time only for about 10 seconds. And then they had to take him away um, into special care of that hospital. By the time I got out of recovery and got there, they actually had to notify me that there was transport on the way um, that they were coming to assess him. And if he was cri too critical to stay, because the hospital that didn't have NICU, they only had special care. If he was too critical, that unfortunately they would have to take him to another hospital, which is what ended up happening. So the only time I really got to hold him, I got to help pass pass him from like one incubator to the incubator that was going on the ambulance um, to another hospital where there was no room for me. So then I had to stay at, yeah, a separate hospital and be in a maternity ward without my baby. And, you know, that was so tough because, you know, the, the dinner lady brought in my food and she was like, oh, like, where's your baby? And I just burst into tears and yeah, had to listen to everyone else, you know, all the other babies on the ward crying and yeah, for me, that wasn't really, I got a bit, I'm, I'm like, not, not cocky, but I was like, you know, this is my third. It was the first time I actually had advocated for myself postpartum. So I actually sat down with my husband two weeks before we were due to have Lenny. And I kind of, I had never actually written out what I wanted out of a postpartum experience. You know, first I went in blind. Second, I was like, it, it only could be better. And then third, I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to write down what I want. So, you know, I wrote down, like, I don't want to cook for a month. Like, I I want you to have four weeks off work, not two. Like, I, like all this stuff, I actually sat down and advocated for myself, which on one hand was so empowering and amazing to actually, like, be like, hey, this is what I want out of this experience. And I recommend anyone, if it's your first, second, third, any like literally just sit down with your per like your person, your people, your little crew and actually like write down what you want out of that first, you know, little month, six week period because it's bloody tough. And that's I think was really hard because I feel like that just got taken away from me because all of a sudden Lenny's in another hospital, he's in NICU. I'm just like, get me in a car and get me there. I don't care. Like, all, like everything about it being kind of about me this time went out the window. So that was a bit tough because he ended up being in hospital for two weeks. And then, yeah, so that that was kind of hard to accept that, you know, oh, this is my third time around. I'm actually going to, you know, I kind of like put this pressure on it being like the best postpartum experience. And yeah, it it wasn't. It was back down again, like, yeah, a different hurdle to get over this time. But still difficult yeah and I guess you're still like even though you said that your recovery physically with the c-sections has been pretty good but in those initial couple of weeks you're still like your milk's still coming in you're still bleeding and you know you've still got this pain from you, you know you've just had major surgery and you're trying to navigate visiting your baby and you've got two other kids at home and all of the the hormones that already come with with postpartum are probably just maybe thrown under a, a magnifying glass a little bit and um in that situation yeah it was really tough because I um 
yeah, so pretty much I, I wasn't, they said like, Lani, you're not allowed to go and visit like that, that evening. So I had him in the morning and then he got taken like around midday and they're like, Lani, you've just had a C-section. Like you can't, you can't go like tomorrow you can go. And then, so I was just up first thing in the morning, like, let's go get me out of here. I just, I didn't eat. I took like all the pain relief I could take just all at once. Cause I was like, because that, that was another thing to just try and navigate is like, he was in another hospital. So I'm not allowed to then have pain medication there. So I had to try and cover myself for pain for long, like, cause I just wanted to go and be there. But as soon as the pain started kicking back in, I had to go get back to the other hospital. So it's, it's so, so tricky. And also like in NICU, it's, it's all about the sick babies. It's got nothing to do with, with the mum. So I'm just sitting in this like hard steel plastic wheelchair, putting all this pressure on this surgical incision that only happens you know, less than 24 hours ago. And I'm just taking all this pain relief on an empty stomach because all of my like instincts are like, just get me there to be with my baby. Like we didn't even know what was wrong at that stage. So yeah, I just, I was right on the back burner. So yeah, NICU was really tough because yeah, it's literally just this, like I could just sit in this hard plastic wheelchair or hospital seat. Like there's nothing really there to enable mothers who've had a C-section and which from my nursing background, I'm kind of like a lot of babies in NICU probably have come from C-section mums because they're often an emergency. And to me, that was wild that there wasn't, you know, like rooms for the C-section mums to be able to lay in a hospital bed and, you know, be able to look after themselves. Because for me, I'm like mothers that are looked after and well have, you know, more chances of their baby being looked after and well. And so that's where, again, my like loop back to the you know, my business and my, my life purpose, I feel is to like, go, hold on. Like there's so much about the baby, but we're forgetting the mum in so many instances. Cause like, even when Lenny got trans, like got, he like graduated from NICU, which was a very exciting day and got to go to special care. I got to stay there, but it's a plastic bench with a little thin vinyl, they call it a mattress. I wouldn't call it a mattress. And so by then I was like day five after having a C-section and I'm spending the night laying on a hard plastic bench that my, you know, I put my legs out, doesn't even like my legs are hanging over the edge. And yeah, it was really difficult. And along with that, like, because I barely had any skin on skin or got to feed him. So Lenny, he was on a sugar drip for the first five, four, four days. So he was, his breathing was so unstable. He wasn't even allowed to try and feed. So that was really hard. So I had to bring my milk in with a pump, um, you know, and then that's that's a whole nother pressure that comes with postpartum as well is like you're, you're feeding. Like that's a whole nother thing that you I never expected to be something that's so difficult and something that there's so much pressure on. But like, yeah, not only did I not get to breastfeed or try and breastfeed or get my milk in like the way that they recommend, um, yeah, I had to use a pump to mechanically try and bring my milk in. And then eventually when Lenny was well enough to eat, obviously we wanted to like help him catch up because he'd just had five days of nothing. And I didn't have any milk because I'm so stressed. I'm not having skin on skin. I'm not, you know, able to trial breastfeeding yet. So they were like, Lani, we're going to have to use formula, which I'm like, I'm so glad that I'm open to that. But then, yeah, the societal pressure and even some of the pressure from the midwives in the hospital, it's like, you know, I kind of had to sign, I had to sign a um, consent form, like declaring that, you know, I know that breast milk is best, but, I, you know, I'm happy for formula to be used as, you know, in this circumstance, which I'm just it's like, it just blows my mind. Like, I didn't think, you know, I've experienced postpartum twice before and like, but yeah, just this time kind of highlighted for me, like, how big the pressure is on feeding because I this time had a child that I was unable to feed right from the get-go. Yeah, it kind of sends you back to that first time again a little bit, but even more so out of your depth. Like you're out of your depth or like usually with the first one, but to feel that again with the third child, it must have been a lot. And then with the healing and you're, and like just hearing you say, you know, the reception you received as opposed to the baby like that's where like for me one of the things that gets to me is when people say oh at least the baby arrived safely 
And it's like, yes, that's amazing. But what about us? What about the mum who's healing or the mum that's depressed or the mum that's not coping? Like we, I feel we just get so neglected. Like, obviously this is an extreme circumstance and a baby in NICU is horrible and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But um, yeah, just hearing that it does, it does kind of cement it a little bit that we do get put on the back burner quite often. And yeah, it's sad to hear that. Yeah. And not like, absolutely not to take away from this at all, but like one of the highlights for us. So Lenny was in NICU on Christmas day and it was the best thing that happened. Like we were so depressed that we were leaving, you know, two of our other kids at home. Like we actually, we had to pretend it wasn't even Christmas because we were not in the right frame of mind to even yeah like throw them a Christmas so we actually did a delayed Christmas because they're young enough for us to get away with that but we Christmas morning we we went in like as soon as we could to see Lenny um so I had I discharged myself early so I only stayed in hospital two nights um after having a c-section because I was like I can't I just I can't do this like I was like my mental health was so bad so I went home after two nights and yeah, then Christmas morning we woke up, we went in to see Lenny and as soon as we walked in, like the beautiful charities had dropped off like stockings with like little gifts for Lenny and like the nurses the night before had made like little Christmas ornaments with like a footprint of Lenny's and and it was amazing. It made us feel so much better, the fact we were in there for Christmas. But I'm like, where is like the charities that come in and bring like, you know, the mum and a new pair of pyjamas or like, a nice fluffy pair of bed socks or just something for her to be like recognize that yes this is horrible your baby is in NICU and going through this but hey we're also here for you and I think yeah like that again like I, I try and look at everything like that it happens for a reason like that that has just always helped me get through tough things in life and for me like I'm really lucky because now hindsight Lenny is healthy and he's okay But now I look back at that NICU experience and I'm like, right, like here's what was difficult going through that as a mum and as a parent, like my husband too. And I'm like, right, what can I incorporate in my business or what can I provide back to this service to then nurture the parents? Because not only did like, was there not somewhere suitable for me to try and recover surgically and be there. Like, like I would have been there with my baby longer if I had suitable a suitable environment to enable that. And not only that, like in the NICU unit, like there's no natural light, there's no fresh air. Like you're just in this like hospital room with like fluorescent light and it's really depressing. So I, yeah, I was like, there's this really cool little courtyard and I'm like, how cool would it be if, you know, once a day or something, they had like a little debrief group where all the parents could go out in the fresh air and the natural light and just debrief about just how stressful it is being there and just having a group of people that also understand and are going through the same thing. Yeah, I honestly think that that is such an amazing idea. Like it actually makes me wonder why something like that isn't implemented for parents in NICU um, and special care because, you know, you're so alienated in there. I I personally have never had to experience it, but we have already spoken to other mums that have had to experience it. And yeah, I, I honestly think that you're onto something there and it's something that I would love to see become reality because support is craved and needed by humans. Like we need help and guidance through our traumatic events. And yeah, it it, it does surprise me that that's not already something in place. Um, so just going back to Lenny finishing up in NICU, how did you find the transition coming home? Yeah. So once we finally got, or Lenny got discharged, I was real, I'm, yeah, I'm really open about my mental health and mental health in general. And, um, I actually already booked in a psychologist appointment, um, when I was still in hospital, like literally the day after all that happened, I just tentatively booked in an appointment anyway because I knew like I wasn't sure what was going to happen so once we got home I I knew I was like okay this is either going to go one way or the other because either I'm going to get home and I'm going to be really relieved that he's here and everything's just going to go on as normal or it's going to hit me that 
everything that just happened because each day I'd kind of been in survival mode and I had like a little kind of hey do you reckon I had a little like to do thing to tick to tick off like it was kind of like okay get Lenny oxygen levels like his oxygen support levels down to this and then his CPAP down to this and then he can get CPAP off and then he can get you know each thing was like tick it off till he had all of his cords and tubes off and you know got home and then I was like wow is all of that going to catch up with me because I've just been focused on that and haven't processed what actually happened but yeah he got home and he just slotted into our family perfectly and I think having boys is awesome in the fact that like or our boys anyway like there's just been no jealousy like our boys were just so excited for him to come and join the family and um yeah like my eldest I I have to bribe him to even give me any sort of affection so he he was fine that I had a baby to cuddle instead of nagging him but um yeah like bonding the third time round, even after all of that like I actually probably feel the most connected to him because I felt so scared that I was going to lose him so when he came home I was just like oh my gosh like you're never leaving my side and I just kind of you know with this confident in it confidence in being your third it's like I just take him everywhere I take him I wanted to get a facial and I was like well you're coming and I don't care like he's he's just come absolutely everywhere with me and it's really nice I guess the first one I didn't expect that and it feels so so horrible and unnatural for me to say like I didn't feel like I loved him for 10 months like that that sucks and I still feel guilty about it. And I still feel like I kind of need to make it up to him and I owe him. And like, he's my absolute best friend now. Like we, we are so similar sometimes, sometimes it's to my own detriment, but um, yeah. And then to go into my second one where we bonded instantly, like, yeah, Ari and me just, as soon as I pulled him onto my chest, I was like, I'm in love with you. And then, yeah, the third one to kind of expect that kind of have, a hump in the road and then be worried that I was going to go the way I did the first time but then actually went the way I went the second time it was again like kind of something for me to actually be proud of myself to be like wow you've taken that first experience you've gone and got all the help you needed to get you've done all this work that you were then able to withstand something like that and come out you know the best possible outcome where yeah you're you're able to bond with your baby even though you went through a traumatic situation again yeah definitely and how did you find your feeding journeys with all three children um you know just hearing your story then about Lenny obviously it was a very different different experience but in terms of all three combined was it quite different especially your first and your second um you know your first being the first and everything being so new and unsure then to go into your second pregnancy and second postpartum journey knowing a bit more on feeding um yeah how did you find that they all differentiated massively so I am I feel like I've got unicorn nipples I'm very lucky I have never had cracked or bleeding <laughs> nipples ever um I've only had one case of like mild mastitis, but I have been so lucky. Like the first, yeah, with Coda, like just latched perfect straight away, no dramas. But what I found is it doesn't, breastfeeding doesn't really affect me physiologically. It's mentally. So I struggle really bad with breastfeeding with my mental health. And so like with Coda, it was like, I remember one time, like I'm a new mom, I'm really nervous, I'm anxious. I have a bait, I had like, you know, I had postnatal depression and wasn't doing anything about it yet. Um, he was a really unsettled baby and screamed all the time. I'd work up the courage to go to Woolies. And I remember like I'd got three quarters of the way through our our shop of what we needed and he started losing it and like when Coda could lose it, he could lose it. And it would be for like, he could go for four hours. Like, unfortunately, his dad is an endurance athlete. And I think that kind of transferred on to our children's ability to scream. And I was like, no, there's no way I can even just go and quickly check this stuff out and try. And like, I was like looking around in Woolies and I'm like, that's even another thing. Like, there should be a bloody breastfeeding room or somewhere you can go. 
and like take your bloody trolley and sit down and breastfeed. And so I just panicked and I've just left this trolley in the middle of one of the aisles and I've like run down to the car park and like breastfed him in the car. And then I was so flustered. I was like, I just need to get home. And then we got home and then I was like, that took me hours of preparation to try and get myself out to do that and try and tick one thing off the list. And I failed. And now I'm back home at square one, but I've got no food and I'm starving. And like, that is just one example. But for me, it, it flustered me so much. And I was so anxious that it just didn't work. So I started and then, yeah. So I actually, I think because I got so stressed by that those sorts of situations my milk kind of started like my milk supply started going down from about three four months so I started mix feeding Coda and that changed my life like the freedom of having a bottle and when I was feeling like overwhelmed and anxious or needed a shower or needed to do something and just being able to say to my husband or another support person like hey could you please give him a bottle like that is a big thing that changed my life and my mental health and you know, even like I was so sleep deprived, like to the point that I was hallucinating and sobbing on the floor and just like not functioning. And for me to be able to say like, hey, I really need help. Here's a bottle. Like it may not be just like that only source of food that really helped me. And then so again, with our second really easy to establish feeding, latching, all perfect again. Then when my little, my middle one, he was seven weeks old, Coda broke his leg. So he was in a full leg cast and he wasn't allowed to put any weight on it for three weeks. So I was like, there's no way that I can try and sit here and be full-time breastfeed mum while I'm trying to keep a like very active toddler off his leg for three weeks. So again, I had to mix feed. And then with Lenny, I mean, we didn't have a choice. Like he was having formula and NICU as soon as he could. So Lenny we kind of again like really easy to feed him but I also now have two kids who you know are four and under and I've got to be able to care for them as well and so I I started mixed feeding from the get like from day one with with Lenny and that just yeah for me that works for me that takes the pressure off like me being the exclusive person that can feed them to then being able to ask to have a bit of a support system to give me a break when I need to fill my cup up a little bit. Yeah, it's so common these days, mixed feeding. I um I hear of so many parents doing it. And I know for me and my personal experience, I started mixed feeding pretty much from the get-go um, because I just wasn't handling breastfeeding mentally, physically, um, all of it was quite difficult for me. So to have that mixed feeding option meant that my partner could get up in the middle of the night sometimes <laughs> and um, feed the little one. And I think that it should definitely be more normalized than mixed feeding because it really is a lifesaver for so many families and it helps with sleep deprivation and it helps with bonding with the other parent and the baby. And yeah, I think the stigma around it is is slowly fading away, which is really nice. Um, and yeah, like you said, it it was just much more convenient for you and it and it really helped you guys. Yeah, and that's even something I feel like isn't talked about enough is like the effects of sleep deprivation. So I remember I'm quite like an I'm just like an open book and sometimes it's really bad, but I feel like in this case it was good. I just like I went to the gym one morning to a mums and bubs group and I just openly was like I'm so bloody tired from last night. Like I literally wanted to like throw him at the wall, throw him out the window. And like, of course I wasn't going to do that. Like, of course I wasn't going to do that. But I just had this whole bunch of mums seem like they just took a big sigh of relief. I'm like, oh my God, I felt like that too. I just never felt like I was able to say it because I thought like, oh my God, everyone's going to think I'm a really bad mom or someone's going to take my kid off me. Or, And like, yeah, I just that was with my first. So I didn't realize that that wasn't spoken about, but I was like, oh my God, I have these like intrusive thoughts that just like fly through at me that I have no control over because I'm so overwhelmed and I'm so tired that I just cannot stand to listen to the screaming anymore. And it, you know, it's, 
I openly talk about it. it got so bad one night like I said Coda could scream for four or five hours and I was just broken and like I was having those thoughts come through my head which then send you into a shame and guilt spiral and I remember just like I popped him down on the floor in the middle of his bedroom and I just calmly walked out and I just went to my husband and I was like I cannot do this I cannot do it and I had been I had taken on the whole like you know, I'm the mum. So this is my job. This is what I have to do. And if I'm not doing it well, I'm failing. And I'm like, you know, Corey, my husband, he needs to sleep because, you know, he's got to go to work. And so I wasn't asking for help for the first like three or four months. I was just doing like, I was just going and locking myself down the other end of the house and I was not coping and I was having these horrible thoughts and, you know, but it is common. Like we all have them and we all get to a point where it's like, Like I feel like I have a threshold of listening to the screaming and it started driving me insane. And I actually said to one of my friends who's a PE teacher and because she was teaching, um, like, you know, teaching PE and teaching, like, you know, trying to educate the kids on like having babies and stuff. And I'm like, you know, it'd be a really cool experiment for people to understand is like, I will record my baby screaming and then get other people to set an alarm and you have to play the screaming every time the alarm goes off throughout the night and listen to it for the same amount of time I've listened to it, write how that made you feel in one night and then imagine three, four months of that. That's where I'm at, like on top of the hormones and the feeding and the recovery and the isolation, the identity crisis, the relationship breakdowns. Like it's, it is postpartum's like a bloody boot camp. <laughs> I I mentioned in the first episode um, with Jazz and my stories that I think the only thing that saved my mental health was the fact that both my boys have been really good sleepers as newborns. And I like that is just pure luck. Um, But I I really (laughs) enjoy isn't the, the right word but I'm really interested in people's stories who haven't had that experience because yeah I feel like it's it you know there there is a reason why they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture in war like the uh, you know obviously having a two and a half year old there have been nights where I've struggled a lot with sleep um but for those newborn days we got very lucky and yeah, I just um oh god, I just feel for for anyone who is um experiencing that or has experienced it because yeah, it, I can imagine it must just really wear you down. Yeah, it's um it's just yeah, it's not like yeah, that's another thing. I also I feel like there's there's so much um like pressure on even before your postpartum there's pressure built up on it. It's like, you know, everyone's like oh, sleep now while you can because you never will again. And like, yeah, people say all these comments. So it's like you haven't even got to postpartum yet and you're already getting freaked out about it. And yeah, I actually, um, I can't, I decided, I wrote like this little program called the Intentional Trimester. And it's kind of like about, got seven topics of things kind of people don't or shy away or people don't feel like comfortable talking about as much. but when I was creating this, I did some study and it's like so many other cultures, there's such a distinct postpartum period where the community, their family, their partner, like everyone just nurtures this new mum, and it's all, yeah, there's, you know, it's like they, some are a bit hectic. I don't know how my personality would go, but like, it's like they're on bed rest for this. Like they, you know, they just stay in bed and like they get their hair brushed and they only serve warm meals to help nurture their insides and like all of this sort of stuff like I would personally go stir crazy but I'm all about being served warm meals um but like yeah there's just this big emphasis on the postpartum and I've just found in our culture like people will see you're pregnant and the first thing they want to say is something about like sleep or exercising or going to a restaurant like everything's like oh enjoy this while you can because it's, it's about always to end you wait always just yeah. wait and I remember Sleep when the baby sleeps <laughs> yes and I remember when, <laughs> my, when my kids 
were like newborns and I always just wanted to go back to those people and be like suck shit Beryl because (laughs) way more tired when I was you know a thousand weeks pregnant and couldn't roll over in bed without it being a 15 point turn and my whole body ached and I needed to pee every four seconds than I am now so like it's almost like every baby is different yeah and the thing the thing is it's like there shouldn't be like even if like majority of the babies do like not sleep well and then there should be an emphasis on us showing support and encouragement not being like this is going to be shit like yes it's going to be shit but it's less shit if you have people supporting you and that's like I feel you know the conversations I want to have is exactly like this and like yeah the programs I want to write the you know, eventually I want to be taking on -on one-on-one clients and I want to be that person for the mums. Like I really, I want to, when Lenny is old enough, like, yeah, I really want to create a service where it's like, you know, I come to your house for a period of time. I help you with your mindset, but while I'm there, go and have a sleep because that's going to help you. Or let me fold your washing while you sit on the couch and we talk about how we can help you. Like, you know, I, like, I wish that more or I hope now that more people kind of start realizing that hey like these things don't feel good when you say them like let's start showing support so if you see a pregnant mom you know just say you're doing a really good job you're gonna be okay like you don't even have to like pretend it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows because it is not there is but it's not and but you, I just feel like you don't need to emphasize that. Like, yeah, I just want to create more of like a village, a support system for mums to feel, you know, safe and open that they're allowed to talk freely about this or they're allowed to ask for help without guilt or, you know, even like, you know, how you said like you wanted to call back Beryl and be like sucked in. It's like, I wish that we could just call back people and be like, thank you. Or like, mm-hmm. I wish that we, you know, I wish that we could reach out to someone and be like, hey, you know how you said it's going to be hard? It is. Can you come help me? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I really want to pivot society to treat mums like that. Yeah. 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 I think um, it sounds like your philosophy is very much the same as I guess what we're trying to do here by just talking about it and being real and just yeah like it's not always sunshine and rainbows but it's also not always shit you just need to be as prepared as you possibly can for whatever outcome um that that sort of may come your way um I would love to before we wrap up I'd love to chat with you a little bit about because three like I say all the time now two is a lot of kids um three is (laughs) obviously more than two um how has that affected your relationship with your partner if it has oh god yeah it has three is like you are the head doctor of the most hectic busy emergency room and you are constantly trying to triage the situation of what's going on which is my household so we like one the transition of zero to one, I found so hard, so hard that tested like our relationship in so many ways, because I was so angry and jealous that like, you know, his life did not really change what I've noticed. And then, sorry to skip, but then two was like, you know, we were confident. We were like, we were nailing it. We, you know, we were like, yeah, this is great. I always wanted a bigger family. So I was like, yeah, we'll go. Like, I really want the third the three now I feel like my husband is going through what I went through with the first because we have three. So he has to pick up more of the loads. So now his life has changed a lot more. So, and then it's, it's so nice for me to be able to meet him with empathy and be like, Hey, I know how that feels like, yeah. Cause it's like, he had to take on such a big load, especially with what happened with Lenny. He had to take on such a big load of looking after the other two because a, I established in my little postpartum rules that I needed more help with them. Um, you know, Lenny needed more attention because of what happened. My recovery was a bit harder this time because I wasn't able to look after myself as much the first two weeks. So he really had to step up and like a lot of his free time and even works like every, like a lot got taken away from him that hadn't got taken away before. And I think 
you know, originally that held some resentment and I could tell like, you know, I could just feel the energy in the house and, you know, we were quite tense and I could tell how he was feeling, but he's not quite good at like talking about it. And it got to a point where we did have like a couple of blocks. And then I actually waited till we were in like a calm, happy space. And I was like, Hey, you know, do you want to talk about, cause I know what it feels like for your life to feel like the carpet's been ripped from under your feet and everything's changed. Like that's already happened for me. And I feel like now I'm this many steps down the road. Do you want to chat about it? And like, I can help you navigate like what could work. And, you know, we sat down and, you know, we have this kind of relationship. So like, by no means am I being like, yeah, this is a really good idea for everyone to do, but we kind of had some banter and like, I was kind of like, yeah, well, I think your day is like, oh, look at me, I'm Corey and I get to just like get in my car and not listen to screaming and go to work and I get to sit down and I get to have adult conversations and I get to poo without kids at my legs and I get to eat lunch when I'm hungry and like, you know, and then he's laughing because then he's like, oh, I'm Corey, I've got, I'm Lani, I'm a, you know, I get to spend the day at home and I get to go for walks and I get to, and I'm like, we just ended up like laughing and being like, okay, we have this perspective that each other's life is so much better and we need to just like actually come in with understanding and support and so we sat down and kind of had this conversation like we wrote what we each kind of want in a week and we navigated ways that we could make most of them work like it was wild I wrote down all these things that I wanted in a week in a fortnight in a month and I reckon that 98% of them got met when we sat down with openness and understanding and the best thing that we actually ever did he he used to always go um he also does professional sport and he used to travel to Hong Kong every year and he'd stay with his family and they had a nanny they had four kids and we were always like you know pre-kids me was like oh my god imagine being like that rich that you can have a nanny and like you know wouldn't you want to spend that time with your kids not having the nanny and but the way that they worded it to Corey was like we have a nanny so that we can like more gets achieved. And then at the end of the day, we just get to spend uninterrupted time where we are just present with them. And so I was like, you know, three kids on here. I am judgmental Lani being like, you were so wrong and they were so right. And so I messaged our family friend who has a daughter in high school. And I was like, Mia, I was like, I need like our little family needs a third parent. Like, please come and help us. So we have Mia, she is an angel. She comes around two afternoons a week, just for like around two and a half hours. And so she comes over so I can even just go pick up the kids from daycare without lugging a newborn in a bloody capsule in and out of the daycare center while I'm trying to wrangle two other kids. And so I go pick up the kids. She comes home, she baths them, she helps feed them. I get to do stuff while she's like my second set of hands. And then she leaves like, and then Corey gets that extra work done. And then, you know, it's six, six thirty, and everything's done. We're calm and we get to just enjoy that time with our kids and enjoy time together because that, you know, we were originally, he'd walk in the door from work and I would be like, like, I need this, do this. Like, and he would be like, oh, I've just got home. I just want to like put my bag down. And I'm like, I've been this. like, we were just, it was like a competition of who's had the worst day. So I'm like, hang on, let's just spend that little bit of money into Mia so she can be the person to just be like, I'll take all of this. And then, yeah, like just doing that twice a week, it sounds so simple. Like literally it's five hours over a whole week. That has been a massive game changer in our relationship. That sounds just like my relationship. Like just everything you just <laughs> said, I'm like, I, I feel that girl. <laughs> it sounds like every relationship with kids, but I absolutely love the um, the chat that you guys had where you sort of spoke about what you imagine each other's lives to be like day to day. And I actually think that I am going to sit down with my partner tonight and do something similar because... Yeah, it sounds like you approached it with a lot of humour and also a lot of um, empathy for each other. And, uh, yeah, I think that that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of, um, yeah, self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's a big thing that 
yeah, I feel like a lot of people, there's like a misconception that having a baby brings you closer. It actually, it does the complete opposite. It tests your relationship on every sort, like every layer that it could test a relationship on. And so I think a big, big thing is like when you need, obviously things will blow up, that's natural, but like when you do want to actually articulate yourself and get a point through and have understanding, do it when you're good. Do it when you're happy. Do it when, you know, do it when things, you know, are well. Like sit down and be like, hey, I feel like, you know, a message that's a message that's put across calmly is going to land so much better than, you know, even if you say it better but you're yelling. So, like, yeah, just being able to sit down and have and feel safe to just have this open conversation. And I even started it with, like, hey, I need to talk about some things. I need you to know that I don't this is not an attack and this is not to take anything personally. Like I want to understand where you're coming from and I want you to understand where I'm coming from so that we can make a better plan because what we have been doing isn't working. And I guess like the the last thing that I just want people to know, like the, like you, you do, you, you have a whole new identity. Like you've birthed a baby, but you've birthed a mother. And I just summed up to someone you know, only last week, like I finally went back to the gym again. And I just said, like, you know, I'm, I always struggle again, like each postpartum I've struggled, I go like, Oh, I just, I I feel like I've lost my sense of purpose. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, they're your purpose. And I'm like, yes, they are my purpose. But I also want to maintain this like, identity of Lani like I still want to be Lani like, yeah, I'm a mom. And that's a big part of me. But I still want things in my life to represent Lani and I said the best way I can put it is you know I was nursing and I would be thrown into like a code blue or an emergency situation and I would you know I would find myself naturally becoming a leader and being like all right we need this we need this do this and I'd have well-respected adults around me taking my advice and listening to me and now I'm at home having fights with a four-year-old because I cut his sandwich in triangles when he wanted squares (laughs) And I'm like, you have to understand that that is really tough. That's really tough to feel like you've got this identity and this purpose. And then you have to step away from that and step into this. And not that that's not important, but that's difficult. That transition is difficult. And there is that expectation to just become a mother. And then that's who you are. I feel like from a lot of society point of view, I feel like, yeah, there is that pressure to identify as a mother and then nothing else and it's like well no being a mother is a huge part of me but it's not who I am like I have goals I have dreams and yeah it's about finding that balance and then also putting people in their place when they say to you oh but you're just a mother you know (laughs) absolutely and I think it's really hard like a lot of the generation before us were more the traditional role of the stay-at-home mum and you know the dad works and like this generation it's it's everything and I feel like though we're also being more open about it so it's really hard because I feel like you get pressure either way it's like you get the pressure from that generation of like what do you mean you're working why are you working you're a mom that's your job now like you're you're a mom like you stay at home you do all these things for your kids what do you mean your kids are in care they're not at school yet like there's there's all of that and but then you know there's the other side of it where it's like then there's a whole group of people from our generation that are back at work and like what do you mean like yeah I've seen that saying where it's like we're expected to parent like we don't work and work like we're not parents and yeah so there's there's so many layers to postpartum that's so difficult to navigate and I just yeah I just want everyone to know that we all struggle it is hard and the best thing you can do is just ask for help and reach out and be open and you know it's it's not and also like it's not specifically what's what's happening. So, you know, you you might not be a single mom who's just had a horrible birth and your baby's screaming all the time and got refill. You might have had a really good birth. You might have a baby that sleeps all the time. You might have a really supportive husband and still feel that way. It's not not the situation of what's happening. It's how the situation's making you feel. So, yeah, so for you to just know that, that you're allowed to have feelings. No one's allowed to tell you how you how you have to feel. Your feelings are are valid, and just to to be 
yeah, just to create a space for you where you can be open and heard and validated, I think is invaluable. Yeah, definitely. Well, Lani, I think we'll wrap this chat up now, but I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and for sharing all your wisdom. The way you have articulated your words is so beautiful. And I personally love that you have taken your experiences and you're now using them to help others. Um, I think, you know, we find in life that a lot of people go through a lot of stuff and a lot of us just take it on the chin and get on with life and you know that's that but for people like you and like me and Liv who want to take our experiences and get them out into the world and provide spaces where people can come to be nurtured and cared for and supported um, is a really wonderful thing and I can't wait to see your intentional weekend services be provided to everyone Um, I think it'll be so helpful for anyone and everyone, but especially mums. Um, And yeah, I just, I can't wait to see what you put out into the world. Thank you. No, I can't wait to listen to all your future episodes. (laughs) Thanks so much, Lani. Well, that's it for today's episode. You guys are in for some incredible chats over the next few weeks. And remember, if you want to share your own postpartum journey with us, or if you are a professional with some helpful advice, please reach out. Our contact details are in the show notes below. Bye for now.